All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Someone's saying good morning back. That's good. Thanks, Janice. I appreciate it. It's uh, awesome that you are here with us this morning. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name's Tyson. I'm one of the pastors on the team here, and I'm glad that you're with us for, for worshiping and for church gathering this morning. Thanks so much for being here today. Uh, recently, my family just got back from our kind of Christmas holidays into the new year, and we had a chance to go back home to Saskatchewan and Alberta, where Lindsay and I are from. I'm from Saskatchewan originally, and she's from Alberta. And it was awesome. We had, the vacation had everything that you could have ever wanted. It had family, it had friends, it had frigidly cold temperatures, and so much shoveling of snow. It was awesome. Um, but we had a great time getting to see family, and uh, we, got to, we actually got to see pretty much everyone on both sides of our family, which was a huge blessing, and we had an awesome time. And as we got back home, I was uh, kind of reflecting on it and kind of processing the vacation, and as I was doing that, um, I, I just kind of realized over the course of about two weeks away, I had spent all of about one hour alone that whole time. And all of the introverts in the room just shuddered. I had spent about one hour alone, and I got home, and I was in this space where I was not a, not a pleasant person to be around. I was just annoyed with everything. I didn't want to see people. Lindsay's like, hey, can we go hang out with some people as we got back? And I was just like, I don't want to see people for a couple days. And that's not normal for me. I, I really like people. I really love being with people. The people we were hanging out with in Saskatoon and in Calgary were awesome, and I loved being with them. But as I was reflecting a little bit more, I realized one of the other things that also slipped during my time away was some of the, the routines and rhythms when it came to spending time with the Lord during that time away. We were so busy playing games, having good conversations, watching Canada win the World Juniors. Woohoo! And all the non sports people are just like, who cares? Let's move on. We had so much fun and so many good things, good people, good relationships, good, good conversations. And yet, when I got to the end of it, I realized that my normal kind of prayer rhythms and routines kind of fell to the wayside. And I got to the end of the trip feeling like I kind of missed God, that I wanted to spend that time with God that I had kind of allowed to slip in my life. And sometimes when it comes to our lives in prayer, I think that that's where some of us can end up. We can end up having the right intentions, wanting to pray more, wanting to connect with God, wanting to talk with him, wanting to have that relationship, but we get to the end of our days and our lives are busy and full and we miss it. And we miss that opportunity to connect with God. Uh, Ronald Rollheiser, who's a spiritual writer, says that our days are sometimes like a car wash. And he goes on to say this, perhaps the best metaphor to describe our hurried and distracted lives is that of a car wash. When you pull up to a car wash, you are instructed to leave your motor running, to take your hands off the steering wheel and to keep your foot on the brake, off the brake. The idea is that the machine itself will suck you through. For most of us, that's just what our typical day does to us. It sucks us through. Tell me if any of this sounds familiar. I'm sure it's just me. But when you wake up in the morning, the first thing that you see is your smartphone waiting for you with notifications from the apps that you have on it, with messages that you have to reply to, with news updates, with social media trends that are going on that you want to scroll. 
and you start to respond to those messages, check the news for the day, check the weather, check all of those things before you even get out of bed in the morning or before you have a shower that day. You go on and your day is continued and busy as you are on your way to work or school or whatever appointment you might have to start the day. And on that commute, you have a podcast on or you have music on or if you still have a car with a radio, you have the radio on. And you're, you're distracted on your way thinking about what is to come while still kind of trying to multitask with something else going on. You get home from a long day and you have dinner to make, you have kids to put to bed, you have conversations to have with your spouse or a roommate, and you get to the end of your day and you go, where did today go? Does anybody feel like that at the end of a day? We get to the end of our day and we have this intention of having spent some time with God throughout the day, but the busyness and the distraction of our days often leaves us, if we're being honest, quite prayerless. And if that's where you're at today, this is not a space or a place where I'm here to judge you or to tell you you're a terrible person for not praying. I'm just saying that that's often the place where we end up, is our intentions for prayer don't actually work their way into our reality. Like a car wash, our day kind of just sucks us through and we get to the end of it. We want to pray, but we don't end up doing it. We want to pray, but we don't want to miss out on anything in our lives. I love the way writer Henry Nouwen put it. He said, I want to pray, but I also don't want to miss out on anything. Television, movies, socializing with friends, drinking in the world. We want to pray, but we don't want to miss out on anything. And our lives and our days are often busy. And for most of us, we we can kind of view prayer Uh, And forgive me for this metaphor while we're on uh, Daniel fast. But we can view prayer almost like eating vegetables. We know it's a good idea. We know it's healthy for us. We know that we should do it. But for most of us, we don't really want to eat our vegetables. Unless you're on the Daniel fast and then vegetables. Anyway, that's a side point. We view prayer as a good idea and as something we know that would help us, but it doesn't actually work its way into our lives. And yet for all of us, prayer is one of the key avenues to connection and to life with God. Whether we realize it or not, prayer is actually the avenue to the life that we are hoping for and created for and saved for by God. And that's why I'm so thankful for today, the many people who have gone before us in history who have learned how to pray in difficult moments, learned how to pray in busy seasons, and have shared some of their wisdom and tips for us. And there's so many of them that are actually right in the pages of Scripture that we can draw from today. And one person as such that we're going to draw from a little bit today is Daniel and his story. And Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it reads this. Daniel always prayed to God three times every day. Three times every day, he bowed down on his knees to pray and praise God. And even though Daniel heard about the new law, he still went to his house to pray. He went up to the upper room of his house and opened the windows that faced towards Jerusalem. Then Daniel bowed down on his knees and prayed just as he always had done. 
you haven't been with us uh, for this series so far or haven't been with us and today's your first day with us, we've been talking about the story of Daniel. And Daniel specifically, uh, in this portion of scripture, he has been taken from his homeland of Israel with some of his friends and family members and people, and he's been taken to the, the nation of Babylon. And Babylon has done its best to kind of take Daniel's attention off of God, to strip his focus away from God, and to, to retrain him to worship their gods, to know their culture, to, to be kind of indoctrinated into the Babylonian way. And in this portion of scripture specifically, some people are so jealous of Daniel because he's rising up the ranks. He's, he's being faithful and serving the king well, and the king is giving him more and more opportunities in the kingdom. And these people get jealous of Daniel, and they recognize they can't cause him to trip up when it comes to his character because he's a man of character and integrity. But where they can get at him is when it comes to prayer. And so they go to the king, and they say to the king, we think it's a good idea, King, if you actually make a law that people can't worship anyone else or pray to anyone else other than you. And the king's like, that's great. That's exactly what I've been looking for. Perfect law. Sign me up. And he signs this decree that goes out that if anyone prays to another god other than him, they were going to be killed. And so Daniel is faced with a predicament. What does he do in the face of this? Does he give in to the pressure does he give in to the, the people trying to take his focus away from God? Or does he continue to pray? And this is a spoiler. We, we read this story a minute ago. He continues to pray three times every day. Prayer was so central and so vital to Daniel's life that he couldn't think about life without it. It was absolutely core to who he was and for him, he could not think about not coming to God, the source and the one who sustains him for a life with his prayer life. And there's so much to say today about prayer, so much we can learn from him and all throughout scripture. And, and today, as we kind of start to unpack a little bit of his story and what scripture has to say about prayer, my hope and my prayer is that we would become people kind of like Daniel, people who can't live without prayer. And that may feel like a stretch for some of you today. That may feel like it is miles away. But scripture shows us some of the ways that we can actually start to approach a life of prayer kind of like the one Daniel had. And there's so much that we could say about prayer, so much that I can't even get to in this morning's message. We could spend many weeks talking about prayer. But today, really simply, I just want to talk about three W's of prayer. The who, the what, and the when of prayer. And so for our time together today, that's what I kind of want to unpack. And so the starting point is who. Last week in church, uh, my son, Bo, who's going to be two next month, was having a great Sunday morning. He spent his first Sunday downstairs for the whole time. The entire Sunday morning was downstairs. And it was awesome. Don't we have an amazing kids team here at the church? Come on, we can give it up for them this morning. One of our amazing kids volunteers told us after that he uh, fell down and bumped his head and he said, I need a kiss. And she was <laughs> gracious enough to be like, oh, okay. And she gave him a little kiss and he went right back to playing. She told us it wasn't weird. We're good. Um, we were grateful for her to do that. But as Bo was having a great Sunday morning, kind of roaming around, at one point he ran up and he hugged the legs of uh, Bethany, Pastor James's wife. And Bethany was great about it. She looks down and she's like, hi, buddy, how you doing? The only problem is Bo thought that he was hugging his mom's legs and not Bethany's legs. And so Bo takes one look up and then just immediately runs away from the situation. 
I share all that story to just say, sometimes we can be like my son in prayer. If we get the wrong who in prayer, we will never be drawn to prayer, and we will actually run away from and avoid prayer at all costs. In that story, it wasn't that Bethany was a terrible, awful person, but it was who Bo was expecting was different than who he received in that moment. And so when we come to the Lord in prayer, if we get the who wrong, everything else that we talk about, every other kind of prayer, anything else that we talk about is going to actually fall flat. The who that we come to in prayer is central and vital. And if we have the wrong picture of God, it will never lead us or draw us to a life of prayer. And so I share all this to say, I love what Nancy, um, Nancy Maris says about this. Who one believes God to be is most accurately revealed, not in any creed or credo, but in the way one speaks to God when no one else is listening. When no one else is around, when it's not about the songs that we're singing, what is your conversation with God like? Who do you view God to be? Do you view God to be this angry God who's just out there ready to kind of smite you if you make a mistake? Do you view him as as distant and far away that he's created the world a long time ago, but he doesn't care about it now? What is the picture that comes to your mind when you think about who you are praying to? It is foundational and it makes a big difference. That's why I love in scripture when Jesus' disciples come to him and they ask him to teach them how to pray. Jesus gives us this great approach for who we are praying to. And in the Lord's Prayer, he starts off it by saying this, Our Father. Whatever your picture of God may be, This is the one Jesus actually downloaded and gave to his disciples and gives to us today that is the first filter for who we come to God in prayer. And this was revolutionary in that time period too. New Testament scholar Joachim Jeremiah says this about it. There is not a single example of the use of Abba as an address to God in the whole of Jewish literature. It blew his audience's mind that day that that, he, that Jesus was giving us access to come to God as our Father. And the Aramaic word for Father is Abba. It is something that a child says to a parent, to a dad. I think of when, when I come home from a day of work and my son runs up to me and after he shows me whatever truck is currently in his hand, he says, Dad, Daddy, usually followed by, come play with you, come play with you, come play with you. He doesn't get home at the end of, I don't get home at the end of my long day, and he goes, ah, Reverend Stare. (laughs) Pleasure to see you again. If you'd come to the living room with me, I have some toys for you. He just runs up and he says, Dad. And that is the invitation for all of us today in prayer. We come to our Father, our Abba, who wants to hear us and loves us. And if you doubt this, I love the way Pastor Pete Gregg of 24-7 Prayer puts this. He says this, The most important discovery you will ever make is the love the Father has for you. Your power in prayer will flow from the certainty that the one who made you likes you. He is not scowling at you. He is on your side. 
unless our mission and our acts of mercy, our intercession, our petition, our confession, and spiritual warfare begin and end in the knowledge of the Father's love, we will act and pray out of desperation, determination, and duty instead of revelation, expectation, and joy. Do you believe that God not only loves you, but he actually likes you too? Your picture is on his fridge. It's in his wallet. He likes you. He's not just begrudgingly, like I, as a fallen human being, sometimes in a bad moment, say to my wife, I love you, but I don't like you very much right now. God's disposition, I'm working on it, okay? People, pray for me. (laughs) God's disposition towards us is not one of begrudging love, but one that he actually loves us and likes us. He is for you, and do you believe that today? If you walk away with nothing else from this morning's message about prayer, please walk away with this. Your father is the one who is on the other side of your prayer requests. If you get that wrong, everything else that we talk about won't even matter because you won't want to go to him in prayer. That is the who of prayer that we come to. So let's move on to the what of prayer. When I, when I sit in small group settings with people sometimes or have kind of a pastoral conversation with someone in my office, and if I ever have the opportunity to ask them to pray, sometimes I can be met with, well, I don't have the words to say. I'm not eloquent. I don't know. I can't pray like you or pray like other people. I've heard pray at the church. A couple times I've asked people to pray and just got one of these. If that's you today, that that is okay. I I just want to give us some categories for ways that we can actually approach prayer and talk to prayer. Sometimes there can be this anxiety around prayer where it's like we don't want to get the words wrong or we don't want to say something that is incorrect. We can be like, okay, do I say, do I start my prayers with like Father? Do I start them with Lord Jesus Christ? Or do I start them with Spirit? Or how, how do I do this? And there can be this kind of anxiety when it comes to prayer and we don't know what to pray. And so if that's where you're at today and you don't know the what of prayer, let me encourage you. It is not about having the perfect words or the most eloquent or polished speech. It is about bringing yourself to God as honestly as you can. That is the focus of the what of prayer. And I love, there's, there's three kind of broad categories that I want to talk about when it comes to the what of prayer that we find all throughout scripture. And Pastor John Mark, uh, Pastor John Mark Comer has kind of given three helpful categories for these, uh, or helpful definitions for them. Uh, the first one is gratitude. Talking with God about what is good in your life and the world. The second is lament. Talking with God about what is evil in your life and the world. And the third one is petition and intercession. Asking God to fulfill his promises to overcome evil with good. So a brief word about each one of these categories of prayer that we find in Scripture. First, gratitude. Talking with God about what is good. St. Ignatius of Loyola said the beginning point for this type of prayer is to give thanks to God our Lord for the benefits received. He went on to call ingratitude the failure to recognize the good things, the graces, and the gifts received. And as such, it is the cause, beginning, and origin of all evil and sin. What he's getting at with this is if you think back to the Garden of Eden story where there is Adam and Eve in the garden, that God had given them life. It wasn't anything that they had done on their own. And God had given them so many good gifts, relationship with himself, walking and talking with God in the garden. All of the trees in the Garden of Eden to eat from except for one. 
And instead of receiving all that as gift, they chose to try and take life on their own terms and take authority on their own terms. All of life is ultimately a gift. And when we, when we miss that, it can actually lead to us trying to take things in our lives that we were never meant to take, just like the Adam and Eve story. I love the way that James in the New Testament puts this idea of everything in life being a gift. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Everything we have in life that is good is a gift from the Father. Do you believe that? Every good thing that we have is ultimately a gift from the Father. And when we understand that and when we see that, it overflows in our life into gratitude and thanksgiving. Here's the way that Psalm 107 puts it. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. When we see that life is ultimately a gift, it overflows into gratitude and thanksgiving. When we see that all his life is a gift, we can live from a place of grateful joy. That's what gratitude is all about, thanking God. But what about when life is not going so well? What about when life is not the way we would have hoped or the way that we would have expected? That's where we turn to a second category of prayer, lament. Lament is talking with God about what is evil or not good in your life and in the world. Does anybody agree with the sentence that the truth is life is not always rosy? We come to contact day by day both with things inside of ourselves and in the world around us that are messed up, that are broken, that are, if we're going to be honest, downright evil sometimes. And when we come face to face with that, the question is, what do we do about it? When we come to these moments, let me encourage you they can actually be avenues to prayer. I, I love the way Pastor Tyler Statton says this. God is looking for relationship, not well-prepared speeches spoken from perfect motives. God listened to the overreacting rage, the dramatic despair, and the guileless joy, and he called David a man after his own heart. When it comes to prayer, God isn't grading essays. He's talking to children. So if God can delight in prayers as dysfunctional as the ones we find wedged into the middle of the Bible, he can handle yours too without you cleaning them up first. What is it that you're scared to pray because you think it's too messy? Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's sadness or depression or anxiety or fear. Maybe it's the negative emotion that's inside of you right now that you, you want to do something about it, but you're actually afraid to bring it before God because you think it's too messy. Let me encourage you if, you, if that's you today, flip to your Bible and go to the book of Psalms. About two-thirds of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Psalms where the, the psalmist, the writer, is crying out to God saying, God, where are you? God, how long are you going to leave me here? God, it feels like you've abandoned me. God, I wish that my enemies would be crushed. There is a whole gamut of negative emotions poured out and expressed in the Psalms. And so when we, when we come up against our grief, when we come up against our disappointments, our frustrations, our angers, our heartbreak, and all the pain that we carry in our lives, the encouragement to you is to pray it. Pray it out to God. I love the way that the Psalms put it. Here's a Psalm from Psalm 38. 
All of my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails me. Even the light has gone far from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds, and my neighbors stay far away. That guy was in it. In the middle of a season that he didn't want to be in. In the middle of a season that was a low moment for him. And what did he do? He prayed it out to God. He didn't diminish it. He didn't try and say, I don't feel these things. He actually lifted them up as prayers to God. And I love what C.S. Lewis says about this idea. We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. You might think that your prayers are too messy, too messed up, too broken. Let me encourage you today. God can handle it. God can handle what's going on in your heart. If you are in the middle of a season that doesn't have a whole lot of gratitude, if you're in the middle of a season that is desperate or doubting, lift that up to God. Don't put on a fake smile and say, God, thank you so much. Be honest about what is going on in your heart and in your life. And yeah, you might get to a place of gratitude at some point, but it's okay to lament and to cry out to God when things are not as they should be. That is what lament is all about. And this leads us to our last category of prayer for today. And that's the category of petition and intercession. Petition and intercession are all about asking God to fulfill his promises to overcome evil with good. These two words, petition and intercession, can kind of be a little bit clunky. We might not know what they mean. But petition is basically asking God to do something on your behalf. And intercession is asking God to do something on the behalf of somebody else. That's what it's all about. And there's actually a really great example from Daniel's life of this kind of prayer in Daniel chapter 9. And so in Daniel chapter 9, he says these words to God. Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servants. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. Daniel is appealing to God, not on behalf based on what he is, any of his own righteousness or any of his own goodness. He's appealing to God and crying out to God based on God's mercy and goodness. That is what petition and intercession is all about. We get to bring what's not right in our lives and in the world around us, and we get to bring that before the one who can do something about it. There are going to be times where we get to the end of ourselves and we don't have anything more to give, and that's actually an avenue to prayer. I love the way that Richard Foster says in his book on prayer about intercession. If we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. We will all reach moments in our lives and in our own journey where we can't do anything. We can't change the situation. We can't change the person and the relationship. We can't fix what is broken. And when we get to those moments, those are actually avenues for us to come to the one who can do something about it. To come to God in petition and in intercession, crying out to him to move where there's no other way. 
That is the God that we serve. He longs to, to bring goodness and justice, and that's why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven right now. That is the type of God that we serve. That is the Father. And all of these types of prayer, gratitude, lament, petition, and intercession are just avenues towards relationship with our Father in heaven. He wants to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. I I think about how my son comes up to me. He brings the whole gamut. Not only does he bring to me the good, hey, Daddy, come play. He brings, Daddy, need a hug. Daddy, come, come hug me, Daddy. Daddy, I'm not feeling good. He brings anything and everything before me because even as fallen and as broken as I may be as his dad, he knows that I love him and will do my best to help him. What if we actually believe that about our Father in heaven too? We had that simple trust that we could bring anything and everything before him because we believed he actually cared about us. That is the God that we are praying to today. And that is the what that we can bring anything, gratitude, lament, petition, and intercession before him. And so the last question for today is when? When can I pray? We talked about how at the beginning life is full, life is busy. And when I give you the invitation to pray, it can often feel like just one more thing to add to the calendar. One more thing to fit into my already busy day. And so if that's where we're at, I just want to give us, when it comes to when, one question to to think on and meditate on, and then two pieces of wisdom that I've gained from people over the years that are so helpful for my prayer life. The first one is this. What do you need to stop to create more space for prayer? Is there something in your life that if you were honest about it, it's taken up space that it doesn't need to? And in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, if your heart's desire is to pray more, maybe it means turning off TV at night for an hour. Maybe it means scaling back on how much you scroll, whatever social media app of choice it is. The question I want to reflect on for all of us today is what is it that we can actually pause or stop to create space for prayer? So that it's not just one more thing to add to an already overpacked life, but it's one thing that we can add because we've created some margin in our life for it. The first piece of wisdom that I want to kind of share that I've borrowed from someone else is this. Pray as you can and don't try to pray as you can't. It's funny, when, when, I, when I think about prayer sometimes, there can almost be this posture of like, hmm, must be nice must be nice to have an hour in the morning to yourself when your son's not awake at 5.30 every day. Must be nice to be able to sit still and and just focus and tune everything out. There can be this kind of posture where we, we focus our prayer lives not on our own, where we are right here and right now, but we actually focus on other people's prayer lives and compare and contrast where we are versus where they are where we are versus where we used to be or we want to be. And instead of being presently grounded right here, right now, asking God, how can I pray in this season? We can get focused on all the ways that we can't pray. Well, I can never sit still and pray. Okay, go for a walk. Pray while you exercise or get groceries. 
Well, I could never find the words to say, okay, grab a journal. Start to write down some of your thoughts and prayers. Well, I, I don't have gratitude in my heart. I'm doubting if there is even a God or I'm, I'm disillusioned. Okay, pray those things. Bring those things to God. If you don't have the words to say in prayer and that's what's stopping you, let me encourage you, flip through scripture, go to the Psalms and do what the church has done for thousands of years. Pray the Psalms as your own prayers. You might find the words to say that echo what's going on in your own heart right now. Don't focus on all the ways you can't pray. Just focus on how can you pray right now in this season. There are natural rhythms to your day where can you insert prayer throughout your day to connect with God? The second piece of wisdom that I've gained from other people is just keep showing up. Rich Ronald Rollheiser says this, there's no bad way to pray and no single starting point for prayer. The spiritual masters offer one non-negotiable rule. You have to show up for prayer and show up regularly. Everything else is negotiable and respects your unique circumstances. Again, to, to risk using a bad illustration, prayer is kind of like eating food. Can you tell what's on my mind lately? <laughs> is every single meal that you eat this gourmet buffet that is like your favorite meal that you've ever eaten in your life? No. Every single prayer time that you have isn't going to be this incredible revelation, this mind-blowing moment where God just opens up the heavens and, and downloads something to you. But that doesn't mean that we stop praying. We don't stop eating because every meal isn't this gourmet, incredible experience. We keep coming because we recognize that when we eat, we are sustained. And similarly, we are sustained by God when we keep showing up for prayer. He is the one who has created us, given us the breath in our lungs, and he is the sustainer of our lives right now. And so we keep showing up. We keep coming back to prayer because he's the one who can actually sustain us. That is why we keep showing up. And as you do, God will meet you there. God will show you more of who he is and his character. He will reveal things in your life that you need healing from and he wants to bring that healing and that hope to your journey. We just have to keep showing up and pray as we can. And so today as we go into this week ahead, I wanna give us a practice, something to kind of give some legs to this for this week ahead. And it comes directly from Daniel's story that we read earlier. And this practice is the practice of set our prayer. In Daniel's story, he had three specific times that he paused throughout his day to come to God and pray. Now, you might hear that and go, I can't pause three times. I'm not even pausing once right now. And if that's, if that's you, again, pray as you can. If you can find one time in your day to pause, or maybe it's two, maybe it's a time that's longer and, and a shorter moment to just pause throughout your day. I would encourage you, look at your rhythms and the routines that you have in your day. Where can you insert prayer in, as a, on a regular basis so that it becomes an anchoring practice in your life that keeps you connected to God? Uh, for me, really, honestly, like one of the challenges for me over the last few years is having our son completely blew up all the rhythms that I had when it came to prayer. Before, I used to get up in the morning and have space and time to kind of be in the quiet and sit alone, and I loved it. Well, now my son is up at six at the latest, 
every morning. And I can try and beat him out of bed in the morning, but for, for a season, it was really frustrating because the way that I had normally connected with God was kind of put, to, put on a shelf. And it was in that season where God kind of spoke to me and reminded me, that's not the only way, Tyson. There are other ways to connect and pray as you can, not as you can't. I was comparing my prayer life to a past season of my life and that wasn't working for me. And so pray as you can. What that prayer life looks like now is different than what it looked like before. I still try and start my day with prayer. I still try and pause when I get back from my lunch at my desk. I still try and pray in the evening briefly before I go to bed and kind of do a reflection on my day. And in this season, I found these prayers from Justin Whitmell early that I found really helpful. So I want to share them with you today. And he starts off his day by saying, Spirit, I was made for your presence. May this day be one that I spend with you in all that I do. In the middle of his day somewhere, he says, Jesus, I was made to join in your work in the world. Please order the rest of my day in love for the people that you have given me to serve. And he ends off his day by saying, Father, I was made to rest in your love. May my body rest in sleep and may my mind rest in your love. How long do those prayers take? 15 seconds each? I'm not asking for you to, to start praying for three hours a day right now. The encouragement is find what works for you and insert prayer into your life and into your day at some specific set times. One of the ways that I do this is I actually don't trust my own memory, so I set reminders on my phone. <laughs> Pause and pray. It pops up on my phone. Because <laughs> if I didn't do that, I would probably just continue throughout my day. But let me encourage you, where and when can you actually insert prayer into your life and into your schedule? What do you maybe need to take a, hit the pause button on for a season or to stop doing altogether so that prayer can be a part of your life and your journey in a more powerful way? Because for all of us today, we have the privilege to come to our Father in heaven who loves us, likes us, and wants to hear what is on our heart and on our minds. Everything that we have in us can be an avenue towards prayer because God cares for you. So let me pray for us today as we draw to a close. With every eye closed in this place, I just want to ask a question for you to reflect on and to, to pray and to join with me in praying. And the question is simply this. Father, what is stopping me from praying? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would show us. Show us the things that are actually holding us back or hindering us from the prayer life that we long for and the connection with you, Lord, that you long to have with us. If it's a misunderstanding of your character and who you are, Lord, I pray you would show that to us so we could give it to you and surrender it to you to instead see you as our Abba Father in heaven. If there's something in our schedule that's actually 
taking our focus off of you. It's distracting you, distracting us from you. I pray you would help us to see it, Lord, so that we could lay it at your feet, so that we could find more space and more margin in our days and in our, in our weeks, Lord, to connect with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us now. Show us how we can actually incorporate this into our lives this week ahead. So it's not just a good intention. Lord, we don't want our days to just feel like getting sucked through a car wash, not aware of your presence, not aware that you long to connect with us all throughout the day and that you are with us. And so God, my prayer for us as a church is make us more aware of you this week. Make us more aware of your presence. Make us more aware of when you are trying to speak to us, but maybe we aren't listening. Make us more aware of you, Lord, and deepen our connection with you this week. In your name we pray all these things, Jesus. Amen. If you're in the room today and all this kind of faith conversation is new to you, but you want to know more about what following Jesus is all about, uh, we'd love to, to journey with you to, to hear some of your story. And you can also do that by just texting the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. That'll get you in touch with one of our pastors, and we'd love to journey with you and hear some of your story. You can also go to the Welcome Center if that's you and talk to Pastor Josh. He'd love to chat with you and pray with you this morning. Uh, If you're new today, we'd love to meet you as well. You can head on over to the Welcome Center and Pastor Josh would love to meet you today too. Well, church, we love you so much and uh, I hope you have an amazing week filled with prayer and connection with God. Amen.